3, 2, 1, roll the footage! Welcome back everybody, I'm your host Simon Severino. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows and their solutions? Today we explore with an acquisition entrepreneur how email marketing is key, how to build your list and how to convert from your list. Welcome everybody, Freddy Lansky. Freddy, what are you currently creating? So I was looking into buying a business with a combination of loan and investors. And that's what I was working on for the past couple of months. And I have a side business in the travel hacking space, teaching people how to leverage credit card signups and using uh, airline points and credit card points to travel in business class and stay in five star hotels. And recently I decided to put more effort and spend most of my time working on that side business for the next couple of months before I hop back into uh, looking into buying a business. And uh, I, I know you said that we'll have the main purpose of, of this um, podcast be talking about email marketing. I'm a huge uh, email marketing geek, digital marketing geek. Uh, we can talk about that, talk about funnels. But if you're interested, we can talk a little bit about my experience looking to buy a business and, and why I put it on hold for a little bit as well. Yeah, so tell us everything about it. Okay, well, I'll give you a long story short so we can hop into the email marketing and the good tidbits for your clients. But <laughs> I've had a, a little bit of bad luck since I sold my, my last uh, seven-figure business in early 2019. Since then, I started this travel hacking business first as a, a productized service where you paid me a yearly fee for unlimited consulting on which credit cards to open, which to close, uh, and more importantly, uh, assistance using those airline uh, miles and credit card points that you got with those bonuses to book these business class tickets at a fraction of the uh, price in cash. And I was using that money to uh, fund my travel blog, which similar to Point Sky, one mile at a time, articles about flight reviews, credit card reviews, updates about stat, uh, airline status, airline industry, and so on, uh, selling you know credit cards for a commission. And I kind of put it on hold for a little bit. You know, once once COVID hit, uh, the business model just got knocked out for a while, and then I started looking to buy a business right around November, December, twenty twenty. And at that time, the market uh, wasn't so saturated, right? So this was the second time I had a bit of bad luck. The market for buying an internet business, at least from the buyer perspective, went from a pretty much a, a buyer's market in 2020. And then from January 2021, let's say until now, we've gone from a pretty kind of buyer's market to historically high multiples. We've never had such a seller's market uh, in the internet business space and brokerages. It's, it's very similar to the real estate market right now. Uh, people are offering LOIs or even making offers before they've even signed uh, an LOI. And so it's been very hard to convince sellers to go with me with a combination of equity and debt when you have so many of these different funds and portfolio roll-ups similar to Thrasio coming in and offering cash. And at the same time, my side business points panda that was dead all of 2020 
uh, we're seeing a lot of signs that you know travel and travel hacking and flying and the credit cards and and that whole market is is starting to pick up again and actually my traffic from points pen has doubled in the last few months so i said you know maybe i, I should put this on hold for a little bit you know, it seems like all the markets for just about everything right now, from real estate to boats, to cars, to, to businesses, to online business, to offline businesses are a little bit overheated right now. So I said, look, well, well why don't I, you know, it's, it never hurts to put your, your time and money into a growing brand. And the reason I abandoned it is because, you know, last year it just wasn't clear when travel and travel hacking and credit cards is coming back. And now it's 100% back. The credit card signups are at historic highs. Uh, everybody's reporting that their traffic on YouTube and their website, SEO, people are starting to have interest in it again. So I decided, you know, in it, the, the market to buy a business will be there in a couple of months. Uh, why, don't I, why don't I continue to put a little bit more time and effort into that business, get it kind of making a couple thousand bucks a month again, just like it was, uh, you know, in 2019, get a manager there, get that business moving and sorted, and then I'll come back to buying a business. So and you're also <laughs> that's the short of it. Been building your next list. How to build a list? What have you learned from your past businesses? I think, you know, <laughs> I know this is very contrarian because, you know, so many of these consultants make so much money setting up all these crazy insane funnels that oh if they like if they're this age we'll put them in this funnel and if they're in this age we'll put them in that funnel but my experience of 10 years in digital marketing is you know the most important thing i think for building a list is don't say sign up to our newsletter that's terrible no one's going to sign up for your newsletter okay you just the, you need to give them some kind of value. And that value is generally a course. It can be the five best X, Y, Z, or the five biggest mistakes, blah, 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 everyone is making in your niche. And that's gonna convert a lot better, right? And typically then you just put them in an autoresponder. In some cases, you know, like say you're selling music, and some people are interested in piano, some people are interested in guitar, it might make sense to funnel them. But honestly, in my opinion, that, that, that autoresponder is just there to get them on your list and get them to know you a little bit better. And then you send them, you know, maybe five to 10 emails, don't overwhelm them, you know, maybe twice a week, and make sure that whatever email marketing software that you're using, uh, they're not getting the newsletters and this autoresponder at the same time. And then once the autoresponder ends, just say, hey, well, now you're on the newsletter uh, or now you're on our list. If you have a problem or you want to change, you know, the types of emails that you receive, uh, you can you can do so uh, below. And that's another tip as well to lower the amount of people unsubscribing is is. Obviously, by law, you have to have, you know, a unsubscribe with your mailing address. But right above it, you can put something like, you know, are you receiving too many emails? Update your preferences as well. So, you know, maybe they don't want to hear about every sale. They just want to hear about the free stuff. Or maybe they don't really care about their newsletter. Um, or, or in some cases, actually, they only want to hear about sales, right? Everybody feels so guilty about, oh, we don't want to do too many sales. Guess what? Some of your customers, they don't care about, here are the updates, this XYZ, they just want to get, you know, the special email offers, right? So, so that's the way we set it up 
And, you know, it's getting a little bit harder these days to um, convert emails. Pretty much everybody's sick of those stupid pop-ups that keep aggressively uh, those light boxes, you know. I, I, I kind of move away from those. I think the best place to get conversion, and I've seen this over and over again, is not in the light box, not in the sidebar, not in the homepage, but right below the article. You know, only maybe 25% of the people, you know, give or take, I, it depends on the website, of course, but of the people that do manage to finish the article on your website that they're reading, they're going to want to take an action. And so that's the point right above the comments, right where the article ends. Instead of saying, oh, share this with a friend, whatever, get rid of all that stuff and put the email sign up. Hey, we're going to send you this free course um, uh, to your email list and that's where they're going to convert. And, you know, another thing that advanced marketers do is don't send them the, don't send them the course on a PDF file. Okay. People don't really like PDFs these days. Anyways, the, the autoresponder itself, that should be your course. Right. And, and I know a lot of consultants, uh, you know, digital marketing, uh, they won't tell you <laughs> this stuff, but this is exactly what they would do uh, if you hire them, right? You want to make sure that the value is delivered in the email itself, that they're not going to say, okay, sign up. Okay, now I got the ebook. Now I got the course and I'm going to immediately unsubscribe, right? You send them a drip every couple of days. And, you know, depending on the product or service that you're offering, you may even want to do, you know, a kind of a tripwire offer. Uh, in that autoresponder as well, or maybe not, you know, it, it really depends uh, on your, it depends on your niche and what is and, it? Tripwire uh, offer some people. Sorry. Might. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so tripwire is typically a very cheap product. Uh, let's say five or $10 or $20. It depends on your industry that is not really made for profit. Um, it's just made to figure out who's the most interested uh, in, in order to sell them uh, something much more expensive, right? So, uh, you know, I, I'm more of a, a products entrepreneur, but I, I, I looked a little bit through your podcast. And I noticed a lot of, you know, the people that come on your podcast and your fans are more like consultants, agencies, things like that, right? So if, if you're doing a 10 email autoresponder, you don't want to do email number five. Hey, sign up for our $2,000 a month SEO consult. Like that's going to scare people, right? You want to do the five, $6. Hey, this course only $10, only $20, right? And it's pretty old school stuff. People have been doing this for a long time, but you know, someone who gives you $10, $5, or even $1, that email is already worth a hundred times somebody that hasn't spent any money at all. And I've seen that, you know, not just in iChess, but, you know, consulting for other businesses as well. When we would send offers in a newsletter, and let's just say there were, I don't know, 30,000 people on the email list, 3,000 of which were previous customers or people that have paid always 95% of the revenue uh, from those offers on your email list is going to come from your customers, right? And so you want to move as many people as possible into, into that customer list, right? So, so all, all that tripwire does is it sends a signal. This is a person that's very interested, right? So like you said, like your, your main fans, the people on your podcast, the people that are listening to you, um, they're offering very high priced, um, you know, agency work and consultancy. You don't want to waste time hopping on the phone with someone who hasn't given you any money. Someone who's 
pay 10 or $20 or even just a small amount is infinitely more likely to convert than, than someone who hasn't spent uh, any money at, at all. So that's what a tripwire is. <laughs> Tracking the people who are interested. I have learned something this week. I just moved from the CRM that we used over the last year to a CRM which has AI in it. And that has made such a difference. Basically, it collects all the phone numbers and the social and everything that you would need to manually input before. Uh, and and that is not valuable uh, time spent for anybody in the team. That does it all itself, which is amazing. And um, so what's how do you track who is interested uh, and uh, and who to move forward into your funnel? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? So a lot of the stuff that we used to do manually with funnels and different tags and things like that and old school software like Infusionsoft is now being done automatically with smarter email marketing software like Klaviyo and things like that, right? So, you know, there's a couple ways to track, right? The best one is who's given me at least a penny, who's given me their credit card and who hasn't, right? That's the most important thing, right? Uh, there's other ways to track as well, right? So, so you might want to make tags of, you know, how often are they opening the emails? How often are they clicking, right? Generally, you don't want to be set sending offers to your entire email list. It's going to turn people off. But sometimes to add an extra 10 or 20% to the limited time offer that you're sending to the email list on top of previous customers, you might want to consider sending that same email to the most engaged uh, non-customers as well, right? What's what's the conversion rate? Um, you know, how many of the emails are they opening, etc. And and I know now with, with AI, um, a lot of it's being done automatically as well, right? So if you're if you're a new marketer, it might just straight up tell you most engaged, right? You don't even need to set up the tags. The tags will be set up uh, for you as well, right? I'm a little bit more old school. I, I've Right now, I've, I've kind of moved to a new software called MailerLite, which is essentially what MailChimp was 10 years ago. MailChimp is this such a common thing with software where over time, it just they start adding more and more features and more and more features, and the software becomes the exact thing that they hate. And I feel that's exactly what happened with MailChimp is that they, they this is like 10 years ago, I mean, seven years ago, right? You had this really complex software like Infusionsoft, which I'm sure, I think they call it something else now, like Keep. But it was just, it was very, very powerful at the time, right? It was doing a lot of these automations that now we take for granted, but it was so clunky and so hard to use that you had to hire these really expensive consultants, 200 an hour, 300 an hour to set everything up. And MailChimp will said, hey, we'll do this, you know, we can do the same thing, but a much simpler interface and a fraction of the price. 10 years later, MailChimp is now the new Infusionsoft. Like I go in there, I can't even figure out how to send an email. <laughs> like I can't even figure out how to send a newsletter. And I've been working uh, in digital marketing for, for over 10 years. So I, I, I think um, a lot of what you're bringing up is, is quite interesting, but I would say to someone starting off, you know, maybe consider something like SendFox, um, you know, which, which is made by the same company as AppSumo, uh, owned by Noah Kagan or uh, MailerLite, because I, I think what happens with a, little, a lot of beginner digital marketers, right? So I don't exactly know the level of your listeners, but 
you know, they start listening about AI and all these complicated things. And then you got to make uh, this big funnel and, and the funnel needs, you know, it, uh, uh, it starts looking like that, that uh, meme from it's always sunny in Philadelphia with the crazy guy just scribbling, like, just relax, like start 80% of the benefits that you can get from email marketing is just setting up the light box, but making sure it's not too aggressive. Only if they've, you know, surfed for three or four pages and they spent uh, a couple of minutes on the site, uh, especially because, you know, that ties into SEO now. Uh, Google got fed up with these stupid light boxes that are so aggressive. Uh, you know, this, everybody hates that. The second that you land on the web page, the web page gets blurred and the light box pops up when it's your first visit. Don't do that, but do set up a light box that has a proper setting. Set up, you know, sign uh, the course on the sidebar. Don't say newsletter. Say the five secrets, the five best, the five worst. It doesn't matter. Whatever, just the the, the five anything, and the email will be the course itself. And then when they're done, sending newsletters and then sending offers via email is going to be, you know, an eighty twenty. Uh, uh, you know, the Pareto principle. That's the eighty. And then we later had, on, Larry Marshall on the show. He 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 told us. Oh that. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I saw him. I, I, I'm actually seeing him speak. Uh, finally, conferences are coming back in uh, uh, in San Diego at the Digital Marketer uh, with Ryan Dice. I love that conference, by the way. Um, fantastic for beginners, but fantastic for advanced marketers as well, because in the keynote sessions, they're always talking about what's next, what's coming, right? So I remember going to, to Digital Marketer in 2014, and they were talking about this new thing called retargeting, right? Which didn't really take off until about two or three years later. They're, they're always at the forefront. And what I really like about uh, Digital Marketer and their courses and everything that Ryan Dice does is they actually have a portfolio of about $100 million of different internet uh, businesses, everything from makeup tutorials uh, to, um, you know, gun accessories. And so they're actually in the trenches, uh, not to get too, uh, too sidetracked, but yeah, I mean, if you want to talk email marketing, and I, I think I would just assume the begin, the majority of your listeners are kind of the beginner, don't get so intimidated. Just do three, three things, you know, set up the the light box set up you know uh the course on the sidebar put the course together and especially uh put a prompt at the end of every article don't ask them for tons of information don't listen to all those complex uh digital marketing books that say you need to ask them 50 questions to figure out what funnel you need to put you can hire a marketer to do that later and that's in most cases only going to give you a marginal boost because the real money is in the email itself. Once once they've gotten to know you, once they've gone through the course, now they're on their newsletter and they're not getting any more automation anyways. Honestly, I, I feel like most people these days, they don't really care about these automated emails anyways. They don't get that much value from them. They wanna sign up to keep in touch with you to um, you know, see what are the latest articles on your site? What are the latest updates? Uh, and then you know, just sending, sending sales to your list. I don't know what it is about emails. You can do an offer to Facebook organic, Instagram organic. It just doesn't convert the way email converts, right? So email can 2X, 3X or 4X, you know, the amount of revenue and profit you're making in your business after a year or two, once you really start collecting emails on your list. And, you know, if you guys want one takeaway from this phone call, if you haven't even built a list yet, yes, you do have a list. And that list is your customer list. And if you're not emailing your customers with offers, 
you're just totally leaving money on the table. And I know this is kind of basic stuff, but I just see so many businesses not doing these very basic things. Um, you know, if, if you're not emailing your customer list at least three or four times a month with various new offers, you're just leaving money on the table. And uh, if you feel guilty about doing that, then, you know, marketing and being an entrepreneur is, is not uh, for you. <laughs> that's, that, that's what we're in business for. So. I'm super pumped. Who do you pick for the strategy award and your three favorite books after one word from our sponsors? Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategysprints.com. When everybody zigs, they are zagging. But from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. You can pick only one person. Who do you pick? Sorry, I had myself on mute here. Uh, I picked my friend who also runs a podcast, uh, and I think you would love to go on his podcast as well, my friend Isaac uh, Porter. And what was really interesting is uh, he was making, you know, a lot of his money doing uh, events and things like that. And, you know, when everybody who was in events and travel in, in 2020 was just really uh kind of giving up he said you know we're gonna figure out the next thing and he he started doing uh virtual events as well and had success there and and i thought it was really cool you know how you know rather than crying and getting frustrated like um like everyone else was doing including myself to be honest he just he just kept pushing through and you know he he continued to build up his his podcast uh as well um you know during that time Beautiful. And what are three books that touched you most? Yeah, so I didn't want to just say the four hour work week like everybody else. So I, uh, I actually have a great book that I read in 2005. It was actually a signed reading in college. And I don't know if you ever remember those books, some of these books from the 90s and early 2000s that just totally predicted where we would be right now. And they, we were, you know, 15 years ago, like, oh, people are all going to work remote now abroad and things like that. Uh, and, and one book I read that, that I was actually just skimming through it the other day as well. I left it at my parents' house called The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman. I think it was a precursor to four hour work week. I, I feel like four hour work week is, I, I do like Tim Ferriss, right? Even though I feel some of his um, pseudoscience stuff on health and things are a little bit wonky, but, but. I do, I do like Tim Ferriss, but I feel sometimes he gets too much credit because some of these other books already made a lot of the predictions uh, a few years prior to Tim Ferriss, like, you know, uh, this book World is Flat as well. Uh, it just predicted remote work. It predicted, you know, people going uh, abroad. It predicted that, you know, people were going to start doing, you know, meetings uh, online, et cetera. And I had to read it in college just 15 years ago in, in 2006, 2007, and it just really impacted me and, and kind of planted a seed of where I wanted to go next. And, you know, at the time I had a lot of pressure from my parents to go into corporate. Uh, you know, the, yeah, this idea of being an internet entrepreneur was still in its infancy, let's say, obviously there were internet businesses 15 years ago, but nobody was really thinking about it. And it was a lot of these books that started planting a seed in my head that there, there is another route, there is another way. 
And just if you guys are curious, I, I did go the corporate route, but I ended up getting fired from two Fortune 500 companies. So everyone said that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was true because after that, I, I went down to Buenos Aires in 2011 and started meeting some of these people that this book, you know, in four hour work, we had kind of predicted. And it was also novel and new at the time. You know, now when you say, oh, you work online, nobody even bats an eye, but it's hard to believe only 10 years ago, that was a very wonky idea to live abroad and, and work uh, abroad from your computer. And, and that's when I started kind of meeting, you know, the word digital nomad didn't really exist at the time, but, you know, people running these businesses uh, online and uh, yeah, a, a, another book I read recently, and this is a theme of a lot of these futurist books. Uh, I, I read The Price of Tomorrow. I forget the author. I have to look it up a lot. But, you know, it's the same thing in many of these, these uh, books we're reading, how we're, we're kind of reaching a critical juncture in technology where things are going to go faster and faster. And the whole premise of the book is that no matter how much money the government's print, we're going to start seeing heavy deflation as, you know, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, all the jobs we have right now uh, are going to disappear. And I don't mean to be an alarmist, but when I read books like that, they make me very nervous about, you know, what the future is going to bring and, and inequality and how these governments are, are going to solve it. Or, if, you know, if the nation state even exists in 50 or 100 what, years, you know, what I, did I, you do I, I love looking reading into the future the book? as well. How do you hedge now that you have read the book? Did you buy Bitcoin? Did you buy gold? I'm, I'm late. I'll admit it. I'll, I'll admit I was a pretty big crypto skeptic, uh, especially just, you know, the type of people that especially in the beginning, it wasn't the technology itself. It was just the kind of people that were getting into it. They just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You know, a lot of people who had never invested before, very arrogant, etc. My prediction in 2017 was crypto, Bitcoin was going to drop to almost zero and people were going to move on. I was completely wrong. You know, I know uh, Bitcoin is a trillion dollar market cap. I admit I was wrong. And, and I do see, uh, you know, uh, crypto, you know, and, and, and digital money, you know, being part of the you know financial ecosystem for times to come. But you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can lose your shirt in crypto, right? Because it might very well be that that people move to another currency, right? I was just reading a book I was reading by my friend Greg. He's giving a free uh, lecture later today on a Zoom call. Um, he, you know, he did an ebook talking about the, the, the early the early time of money, you know, before um, before everything was standardized and, and uh, governments went on the gold and silver standard in the 18th and 19th century it was very similar to the way crypto is now where you had a hundred different types of coins and some of them worked out and some of them didn't. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to use it. I, I just brought a, a Trezor wallet. I, I'm learning how to transfer money between, but I'm, I'm very beginner, very, very newbie. Uh, I would say the best way to prepare is, you know, if you are in a, a job that might be automated and it's not, I think everyone has this cliche that the main jobs are going to be automated are going to be things like uh, uh, blue collar jobs, like, oh, uh, uh, truckers and, and uh, uh, things like that. But yeah, cab drivers and those very well may be automated, but people don't realize as well is, is a lot of like white collar jobs, like paralegal as well, you know, that, that are on the fritz and just jo jobs and jobs in general, I think are going to kind of disappear 
and, and, you know, I think everything's going online. So if you want to prepare, you know, I, I think we're kind of going to reach a new gilded age, right? Where there's the people who are building online businesses, those like your fans and, and, um, you know, the agencies and consultancies that help those businesses, um, and, you know, internet people working on the internet and, and then, you know, pretty much everybody else. Right. So <laughs> I would, you know, and, and these big companies are still going to exist, but they're going to find more and more ways to outsource the labor abroad. They're going to find more and more ways to, um, automate things. And, you know, I think the, we're kind of reaching, a what do you call the exponential, uh, exponential point, let's say, where it's going to start happening a lot faster than, than people are saying. So if, if you don't know, you know, how to work online, how to work for yourself, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be a consultant, uh, and your job could be automated over the next 10 or 15 years, uh, you know, maybe it's time for a career shift, uh, prepare for the new economy because it's coming. And, you know, every year is going to move faster and things are going to change faster than the previous uh, year. And I think it's going to lead to, you know, a lot more inequality, you know, a lot more people that understand technology getting a lot richer and everybody else being kept behind and how governments are going to solve that, whether there's going to be universal basic income, whether there's going to be controlled deflation. I, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to say, you know, my prediction is, you know, with COVID now we're kind of seeing the beginnings of universal basic income. And I think in some level it's, it's just going to stay because, uh, you know, governments aren't going to want people marching on the streets because, you know, 10% or 20%, like people like you and me are understanding these things and the other 80% are not, that's not a very good, you know, society to, to be in. And, and yeah, I think there's going to be a crisis as well in the future as there's, just many people just getting more, I already see it here a lot in Latin America, right? Uh, you know, in Argentina, uh, Mexico, way more people are getting an education and getting really educated than there are for educated jobs as well, right? And so you're just gonna have the society where there's just, you know, there's, there's more people than things that need to be done. And that's kind of dangerous because you know, over the last 200 years, especially in capitalist society, we've, we've always defined ourselves by our work. But what if there's no work to be done for a lot of people? You know, how, 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 how are governments going to solve this kind of lack of purpose that's, that's going to be driving a lot of people? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And we veered really, really far from email marketing. But um, yeah, that's just some of my thoughts about the future. We'll, we'll see what happens, right? Come back we'll to this have, podcast in 10 years. We'll have to, to govern the work. So to tell the machines what to do and why to do it and how and how to move things forward. Yeah, and that's what I think one of the Google Google execs said. In the future, there's only two types of jobs, telling machines what to do or being told by machines what to do. <laughs> well, and I think that's right. You, you heard that one before? Yeah, they will never tell us what yeah. to do, but they will prepare decision support for us. They, we, we will tell what to do. But the, the decision support, the data, the, the pre-work, the research, the, the finding the pattern, the reporting the pattern, etc. We, we will have a ton of support. I am super pumped. Freddy Lansky in three years. What excites you? Hopefully getting Points Panda off the ground and shifting my entire identity from Freddy, owner of iChess, to Freddy acquisition entrepreneur and trying to acquire, you know, a portfolio businesses um, using a combination of debt and equity. And it's probably something I should have done a long time ago, rather than investing, you know, my the money I was making at iChess in index funds and 
things like that. I should have already been buying many other businesses uh, years ago and building up that portfolio. And that's a very uh, common strategy for you know people in my position, right? You start your first business in your early 20s, you know, maybe you sell for a hundred thousand on the low end or a million or more. If, if you have a lot of success, then you have this, you know, initial kind of down payment for a much bigger business. You use your reputation to justify getting money from investors, giving them a return, giving them a piece of equity and mixing that with a loan. So you can still have a majority uh, of equity and, and start, you know, building a team and using that team to, um, to, to run a bunch of businesses at once and, and putting a manager at the top, right? It's something I probably should have done years ago. The only reason I've kind of put it on hold right now is the market has just gone crazy. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say a business doing 200,000 in, in net profit after ad backs, et cetera, on a site like Empire Flippers, Flippa, Quiet Light, FE International, whatever. I'd say in 2019 would probably sell for 550K, let's just say 600 at tops, right? Now that same business is going to be selling for closer to a million, right? And that and this all happened in the last six months, right? It's just like the real estate market. Uh, you know, we, I there's weird things happening in the economy that have never happened. I'll give you an example. My my uncle called me and he told me he's thinking about selling his boat because the cost of new of used boats, not new boat, boats, used boats is going up. Right, same used cars. The cost of used cars. A lot of weird things are happening, and the market's very frothy, very unstable. So I figured maybe it's you know it, it's impossible to time the market. I'm not trying to time the market, but it seems we are kind of in a top, you know. And the governments they can't keep printing money forever without you know severe consequences. I don't think you know the U.S. is going to let us turn into Venezuela. <laughs> so. You know, it, it, it's like partying, right? Everybody's drinking. There's, there's going to be the hangover, and I think that is going to come in a year or two. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be a recession. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I do think there's going to be a cool down uh, in a year or two. And you know, on top of that, points pen is growing a lot. And a friend of mine said, you know, you can never go wrong putting time, effort, and energy, you know, into a website where the traffic is is growing, you know, twenty uh, percent every month uh, over the last month is, is compounding. Right, and I, I've been having a little bit of uh, trouble on the conversion side with Points Panda, um, but I, I'm working on that uh, right now. So hopefully, if you reach out to me in three years, I'll have a portfolio of businesses. And you know, I, I since since your main, um, I guess, focus group or fans are a lot of agencies, you know, consultancies. I would I would tell them as well. I don't understand why so many agencies and so many consultants don't use the team they already have to start building a portfolio, right? I mean, they're tripping over their feet, do, doing all the things that they've learned to service other people. Uh, you know, do it, do it yourself, buy these businesses, right? You can, you can get them, you know, and, and plus agencies are in a fantastic place to get good deal flow. And if you guys aren't familiar with what deal flow is, it's just a fancy way of saying, getting businesses that aren't listed, that aren't on the market. Right. So you, you could consult with somebody. Oh, this is this is all too much for me. Uh, I need help with this. I need help with that and be able to get a much better deal than you would on these brokerage sites. Right. Get a much better deal. And you can already you've already looked behind the hood in a lot of these businesses. And on top of that, for a lot of these agencies and consultancies, if that's the way you want to continue working, 
having your own portfolio is not only great practice as well, but it's great legitimacy as well, like the way Digital Marketer does, right? Um, I would tell people to look more into that. You would be surprised the amount of agencies and, and consultants that weren't even aware that you can buy and sell online businesses, right? Uh, you know, until a few years ago, things weren't very liquid. Uh, if you bought a business, it would take a, a many, many months. If you sold a business, it would take many, many months. Now things are moving very, very fast, um, much faster, uh, you know, over the last few months. And I don't know how long that market will continue, but, you know, once I can get points panned off the ground, it's definitely the direction I'm going in, you know, setting up a micro private equity fund, uh, getting investors, getting the SBA loan, uh, starting to buy more of these online businesses and, and, you know, with the SBA loan, um, it used to be that banks didn't want to give you the loan for online businesses, only brick and mortar. And now they're starting to warm up to uh, giving you the loan for online businesses. And if you're American and can take advantage of this SBA loan, the terms are absolutely incredible. It's a 6% interest rate and they give you 10 full years to pay it back. Um, so <laughs> I don't think any other government or any other country offers, uh, such, such an amazing program for entrepreneurs. Uh, if you can get approved for it, the issue right now with the SBA loan is the sellers don't want it because dealing with the government, dealing with these banks is three to six months of paperwork. And you have a lot of rich people, a lot of portfolio holders, uh, a lot of these roll-ups funds, et cetera, coming in and they used to be higher 10 million and up. And they kept going down five, three, two, and now they're starting to increase on the space of people like you and me running these seven figure businesses as well. And that's what's been driving up the multiples as well. Well, and inflation, of course, but mainly that. So uh, yeah, that's hopefully where I see myself in three years. I got a team, I got a portfolio of businesses, points pandas taken off and, and I can get my career uh, back on track. <laughs> How will you set up your private equity team? You bring in partners, you do it completely alone. What's your what's your plan there? Yeah, so you to raise money, a lot of people actually don't know this. Uh, I don't know what the rules are in Europe, but in the US, you, you can't actually go to your you know uncle and say, hey, give me 50,000 to start this business without setting up all the, the paperwork and doing SEC filings, especially if they're not an accredited investor. And being accredited or not accredited isn't a process, it's automatic. Uh, uh, anyone who makes $200,000 a year more and or has more than a million dollar net liquid net worth is an accredited investor. But if they're not, you need to do a lot of paperwork uh, and, to... And I, yeah, because many people ask us and net worth is minus the house you live in. Just... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Liquid. I said liquid net worth, yeah. right? Uh, the real estate... Sometimes they count it, sometimes they don't, but you can take money from non-accredited investors, but you need to do a lot of paperwork. And I was in the process of doing that. I still am. I just put it on hold for a few months working with Revision Legal. Um, but I'm in a bit of a chicken and the egg situation right now with buying a business, right? And, you know, I, uh, I'm part of a fantastic community called uh, searchfunder.com. And I found out I'm not the only one trying, you know, I thought a search fund is only people trying to buy these 20, 30, 50 million dollar businesses. It's not true. There's tons of people setting up search funds to buy two, two, three million dollar businesses as well and maintain a majority ownership. I'd much rather do that than only own, you know, 5% of a $20 million business and have a board of investors that are essentially my boss, right? And we're all running into the same problem. 
Uh, the sellers don't want to talk to you until you have the money ready, but it's really, really hard to raise money until you have a deal. So you, it, you just kind of go in circles right now where the investors say, well, bring me the deal first, but the sellers they say, okay, well, I'll wait a few days, but they're not really willing to sign an LOI with you. Uh, an LOI just, it's, it's kind of, um, I guess the same as real estate, right? Uh, uh, when you sign, um, you know, you put the earnest money, et cetera. Um, it doesn't mean you actually bought the business yet, but it means they're kind of locked in and to you. Buy. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is not all, not all LOIs are exclusive. So it's really, it's very hard to convince a seller right now, especially on a brokerage site, like, you know, quiet light or empire flippers to go with you with investors or SBA loan, if you don't have the money up front, but the, the banks, you know, beyond a simple pre-approval letter that says, Hey, we checked this guy's finances. He'd get approved for the SBA loan. They're not going to do anything for you. They're not going to put the money in, in advance investors. There's some cases where people have managed to raise money in advance. They said, Oh, we're going to buy this kind of business. It's going to be between the size. It's going to be this business model on Amazon FBA or, or off Amazon and so, and so, and they get the money and then they buy the business. But it's really hard to convince investors in this current market uh, to do that. And it's really hard to convince sellers to chill and to go with you um, while you go through this process. Right. So it's a total chicken and the egg situation. Everybody's kind of dealing with it. That's in my shoes. And the only real solution to it is just keep talking to sellers until you find one that really likes you. Right. Not every seller. It's not only about the money. You know, a lot of these businesses, it's their baby and they still have an emotional attachment to it. And they, a lot of them might rather see an individual entrepreneur do it rather than a roll up that's going to destroy the branding, uh, make the business disappear and, and just set up a redirect to, you know, a much larger site. Right. But that's easier said than done. And I'll still get around to it, but I'm, I, I'm just kind of, kind of wait a few months to see what happens with the market. And, and then I'm going to go ahead and set it up, but setting up a, all of the legal paperwork and the LLC and SEC filings to be able to raise money from investors, especially non-accredited investors, uh, expect to spend between 10 and $15,000 to do that. Freddy Lansky, everybody. Freddy, where do you hang out? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah. So I live in Mexico city. I do a lot of in-person meetups here. Uh, if you want to reach me by email, uh, it's just Freddie with a Y at pointspanda.com. Also very active in many communities, the search funder, dynamite circle, rhodium. Uh, I'm, I'm in all these different entrepreneur groups and, uh, I guess strategy sprints now too, right? I joined the yeah. Facebook group, see, Absolutely. see how I can, and how I, like I can help. Rhodium. I love it. And so thank you so much. Who should be my next guest? I, I, I thought it was the same as the other one. Isaac, Isaac Porter, I think a big, a fantastic uh, guest as well. I'd reach out to him and maybe I'm a little biased as I'm going back on his podcast next week and he's a good friend of mine, but I think you guys have a lot in common. Uh, he works more with entrepreneurs, have them on the podcast and sometimes he has agencies. I think you, you're a little bit more of the opposite where usually you have agencies and consultants and sometimes you have entrepreneurs. So because of that kind of yin yang, maybe there's things you guys can learn uh, from each other. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know you were in Rhodium. Are you, are you going to the events in Vegas? No, no Vegas events for me. 
uh, I ah, just okay. I just see what 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 I can buy. That's it, and I, I ah. a little bit. Ah, okay, so you're in the acquisition space too. Yes, yes, sure. Excellent. Um, now our our business is also starting right now at private equity. Uh, sub teams. Yeah. Um, some of us are screening companies, and when the right ideas and value value chain component comes up, we we we, yeah. we turn around. We we manage them. Okay, so you you understand the 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 frustration. Um, uh, you're you're in the same boat right now. I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really tough time to be a buyer right now, and it's. I think for 2021, it just makes more sense to work on your core business and, and let the market cool off a little bit. That's kind of what I realized. Um, it's just so crazy right now in the in the buying space. I've never seen it uh, so crazy. But I think this is the right trajectory and it's super valuable what you have just shared with our audience, that even if you have a service business, the right way to, to scale is first growth, then a scalable model, a model like a certification model or a franchise model or whatever that you can really scale. And then yeah. really getting out of the weeds and uh, start constructing the portfolio and uh, think of how you can complement your value chain with all the things that your people need also. And they ask you all the time anyways. Do you know somebody who does that? Why not snacking one of these companies who's struggling and, uh, and um, creating that in, in ecosystem yourself, uh, which is um, easier than ever. Definitely, yeah, because if you're, if you're not you know, building these businesses, buying these businesses and using the skills that you've learned and you're just doing strictly clients, you know, you're trading your time for money. And so you're, you're in a trap, right? Because you're just constantly working with your, and there's nothing wrong with that in the beginning, especially you'll learn so much about digital marketing, servicing other clients. But at some point you have to shift and say, you know, well, maybe I'll spend, you know, 30% of my time or 50% or wherever you are on, on clients. Uh, and, you know, over time, start spending more and more time applying you know what you've learned in these other businesses and and you know that's really the way to make way more money in the long run uh and work much less time in in the long run because it's very difficult as an agency owner to remove yourself from the business right but once you have a portfolio of businesses it's easier to install a general manager for those businesses than it is to install a general manager for uh just a strict agency not impossible, but harder uh, based on what I've seen. I've never run an agency, but I have many, many friends that have. So I've, I've seen a little bit behind the hood, right? So, so you get it, um, you know, the, the acquisition and, and starting different business, that's, that's really the, the big route to building generational wealth. And, you know, if you come from, you know, more modest means and, and want to leave a big nest egg for your children, for your loved ones and, 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 and or you're just straight up greedy and, and, and want to get millions of dollars. I, I think that's the way. You know, you're never going to get millions on an on an agency. It's it's well, you could, but it's it's a very difficult, you know, uh, and stressful way to to do it. So I would look at it as as an agency more as a stepping stone. I don't know if you've seen Rob Walling's stepping stone kind of ladder, where it's first you're trading your time strictly for money. The next step in the ladder is a productized service where you're still in a way trading your time for money, but it's for a very specific you know, task that's unlimited. And then the next step, you know, is when you, you start to shift from that service 
uh, into some kind of products or buying a business, et cetera. And that's, you know, over time you're pulling yourself out more and more because that's the ultimate goal, right? Not, you know, money's great too, but we don't want to be working uh, forever, right? Uh, you know, I'm 35. I hope to be pretty much retired, you know, by 50 uh, or even sooner in 45. Uh, so, you know, the building the businesses is definitely the way um, to do that. <laughs> Thank you, Freddy Lansky. And please come back soon. Yeah, 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 sure. I'll be happy to come on uh, anytime. We're trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.